Hello, everybody. I'm Ed Robinson, and welcome to The Robinson Show. We've got a power-packed show for you today. We've got running enthusiast Justin Mache to talk about the benefits of running and Global Running Day, and a young man by the name of Keontae Vernon who's on his path to the NBA, and he shares a story that hits close to home. Stay tuned. We'll have more of The Robinson Show coming up. If you thought the ebook was outstanding, you haven't witnessed anything yet. Coming June 26th, Flying High to Victory, a recap of the 2017 Philadelphia Eagles season, now will be available on audiobook. If you love the ebook experience, then you're going to love the audiobook. Available June 26th. June 26th, pick up your copy of Flying High to Victory, a recap of the 2017 Philadelphia Eagles season on audiobook. If you were captivated by the ebook, then you will be mesmerized by the audiobook. Pick up your copy of Flying High to Victory, available on audiobook June 26th. On this program, we touch on all sports, football, basketball, baseball, and even track and field. And this next person that I have on the program is like a brother to me. I've known him for a long time now, and he's a one-of-a-kind person, and he's also doing his part in the world of fitness, particularly in running. I have Justin Mache to talk a little bit about his love of running, the benefits of running, and we'll also talk about something called Global Running Day. Justin, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's nice to be here. My first question I have to ask you is, when did you first fall in love with running? I first fell in love with running when I was a kid, actually, um, probably like six, seven years old. You know, like all kids like to run, but I truly loved running. Like, I just loved the the freedom of it and just how I could just, like, run anywhere I wanted. I just liked the feeling that it gave me. So it wasn't something that I I got serious about running until really um about 2012 i i even in in high school i had tried out for track but then i was too afraid because i saw how serious some of the kids were about running so i actually never i went to go try out but i never actually tried out i watched from the bleachers and i listened to them call my name to come and try out for practice and i just and I would go after school every day and just watch. But it wasn't until many years later, like I said, 2012, that I actually took it up and started doing it uh, consistently on my own. Okay, well, I want to piggyback on what you said about you being afraid to try out for the team. And I know you live in New York City, one of the great cities in the world, but you're a native of Portland, Oregon. And when I think about the state of Oregon, Oregon is prime when it comes to running. I want to touch back on when you said you were afraid to try out for the team was it pressure from other kids or was it parents or family members because i know in oregon running is serious business running is serious business there but it wasn't serious to me at the time uh it and i never even looked at it i never looked at it through that scope i guess maybe because i was like a high schooler and it just i never really paid much attention when there were marathons in the city i never paid it any mind Portland is also big on biking. So biking and running, running would be number one. And I think biking is a close number two in Portland. And I was into 
cycling, bicycling, bicycle riding, like we ride dirt trails and things. So that was actually my love. My number one love at the time was, was biking. So, um, that's what I grew up doing. But my, my fear of trying out really had nothing to do with anyone else other than just me not thinking that I was good enough. And, you know, I don't know where that fear came from because it's not like I knew any of the kids on the team. It's not like there was anyone intimidating. There wasn't anyone saying anything. No one knew that I was going to try out. It was just a decision I made on my own because I was like, you know what I like to run? I should try out for track and field and see how I do. I didn't know anything about track. Um, But I talked myself out of it. It was just one of those things that we sometimes do, especially as as a kid. I would go back to talk to that Justin then and be like, you better do it. You better just go on and do it and, and try it out. You'll never know till you try. Not a regret of mine, but I do wonder sometimes what would have happened had I actually tried out. Well, I tell you what, thank God for second chances. And uh, let's fast forward to the year of 2012 when you finally got your opportunity to run. So tell the audience out there about the year 2012 and what what took place in your transformation to becoming familiar with the sport of running? So it was 2012 that I, that uh, a friend of mine, uh, she, she was a runner, a coworker actually, and a friend uh, of mine was trying to get me to come out and run with her in Central Park. And she was like, Oh, just come. I just run a few miles. I know you run and you're a runner, but see, I have to specify, I was a treadmill runner. I loved, and I still love running on the treadmill. I can just go places in my mind and just disappear. Some people, they, they find it to be monotonous and, you know, they call it the dreadmill. I actually liked it. And so when she tried to get me to run with her in 2012 in Central Park, I wanted no parts of that because I was like, no, you have to deal with the weather. You have to deal with bugs. You have to deal with dodging cars. Sometimes you have to deal with uh, other people. And when I run on the treadmill, I don't have to deal with any of that. It's air conditioned. I can go as fast or slow as I want, and I don't have to worry about bumps or potholes or anything like that. Or watching, looking, see if you know, watching my steps. So I figured, why not? But she pressured me into finally running with her, so I did a couple times. And one time we were in the park, and all these people were running. We just came around a bend, and all these people were running. And I was like, where are these people running to? Where are all these people going? And she said, oh, it's probably a race. And I was like, what do you mean a race? And she was like, oh, this is probably, you know, they do a lot of races here in Central Park. I said, really? And then she was like, yeah. I was like, well, I'm faster than a lot of these people. She told me about it, and I decided to sign up for a race. And I kind of got addicted briefly to racing in 2012. I probably did that for about a year, and then I just fell off and went right back to running on the treadmill because I was like, ah, I'm just running on the treadmill. I like the treadmill. And then it was in, i say, 2014, the end of 2014, to early 2015 when, for whatever reason, I decided to get back into running outside. Because a friend of mine told me about a Nike group, that Nike had a run club, and that they were like, and they give you free water, they give you snacks, and they encourage you. So I went out with the Nike run club, and that's what drew me to come out. And it's just, it was a mass group of people, like over 100 people would meet at the Nike store in Midtown, Manhattan. And then we'd run to Central Park every Wednesday. It was just so much fun to just run with a group of people. And we just, it was like we just took over the whole park. 
and we would just run. And I just loved that feeling. And I love I love running with groups. You know, it gives you more confidence when you run with other people. That's why a lot of personal trainers, they always say, and just especially in any type of fitness groups, they always say that it's always better when you do things as a group because you motivate one another, you push yourselves to the limit. So it's definitely very important that you practice, exactly. uh, you practice uh, fitness in groups. I want to ask you about some of the races that you've been in thus far. Now, I heard through the grapevine that have you ran in the New York City Marathon? Through that grapevine, you, you heard about the New York City Marathon. I did get into it uh, in 2016, and then I pushed it. I deferred to run 2017, which would have been last year, but then I decided not to run it uh, because I was injured still. And then, But I am running it this year so i'll be running it november of 2018 i have yet to ever run the new york city marathon but i am running it this year uh in november uh it's on a sunday it's either i think it's november 6th either the 4th or the 6th it's it's a it's on a sunday i have run a marathon i ran the portland marathon in 2015 and you know that's to run 26.2 miles it's it's a beast you know, it's not something that you, you can, I mean, you truly have to train. It's not something to take lightly. But I ran it in three hours, 52 minutes, and 45 seconds, which is good, especially for my first time, because they say most people, when they run their first marathon, it's always more than four hours. So I'm like, well, I ran mine in three hours, 52 minutes, and 45 seconds. Congratulations at that achievement. I know you're going to have many more marathons and many more races to run in the near future. Now, I want to piggyback off to what you said earlier about the training that goes into running in a marathon. Tell the listening audience out there what training is required in order to keep your stamina up for these 26.2 mile races. If you're going to be running a marathon, uh, diet is important to be eating the correct foods and hydration is, is key. You definitely want to 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 stay hydrated, especially if you're in a hot environment like in the summertime, New York City, when you're training, it's hot. You usually start training about three months before the marathon, three, three and a half months before. You start out with, with, with short runs, you know, doing, well, if you've never run at all, you're really going to start out running like, I would start with running two to three miles at a time. But if you've been running a little bit and you want to start out and just maybe do a five mile run, you want to do one long run a week. And you always want to keep building it up to uh, to run more and more. As you're approaching the marathon each week, you should be running a few more miles than you did the previous week. So you might start with five, then the next week you're doing eight, and then the next week maybe 10, then 12, and so forth. You never, you never run the full 26.2 while training. The most I think you, you should ever do is between 22 and 24. That's the most you should ever run when you're training, but you you definitely have to carb up. Pasta is a good thing, especially before a race. You would you would eat uh, pasta is good a good carb to eat before your race. Some people like to use gel packs when they're running to keep them in a little pouch for energy boost. I don't use gel packs. I actually when I ran in 2015, I was so excited to run the Portland Marathon that I didn't eat anything. I ate nothing. Oh wow! I did wow did you <laughs> did you didn't suffer for that did you i feel like i would have performed better had i eaten something it wasn't an intentional thing it was just one of those things that i just completely forgot about i knew i didn't want to drink anything because i didn't want to have to pee during the marathon you know i, I didn't want to have to use the restroom i didn't want to have to take the time out to run off to a porta potty i wanted to be able to just run the whole 26.2 without stopping and that's what, another reason why the night before 
I made sure like I didn't really eat uh, too late. I made sure I ate early so that if I did have to use the restroom, it'd be before the race. But I did suffer because it was about mile seven. When I got to mile seven, my stomach was, was talking to other people. My stomach was asking other runners for uh, for snacks. He's trying to remind me that uh, <laughs> that I that I hadn't eaten anything. So yeah, when my stomach was growling at mile seven, I was like, "Oh, that's right." It just dawned on me: I didn't eat anything. Wow! And I was like, "I can't believe that." But there are, you know, fluid stations at every mile. There's also, I think, once you get past about ten miles, there are also people that have gel packs. Some people have bananas, which is good. The potassium helps and, and helps you stop from cramping because you're, I started to cramp up about mile 17, but the banana helps to prevent cramping. And then you also sometimes need sugar because you're losing a lot of salt as well as from your running. So there was a lot of kids with, with uh, gummy bears in little cups and you just take the little gummy bears. So it's something. You know, some some stations, fluid stations have Gatorade and they also have water. You can stay hydrated throughout the the race. I want to get to the benefits of running because we know that running is great for the cardiovascular system. But just in, in, in your opinion, just tell the audience out there, what are the benefits of running and how can they incorporate it into their fitness plan? Anyone can really do running. And I know some a lot of people like to say, oh, I can't run. And when they see us running outside, they're like, oh, I would run if I could. Even if you, running doesn't mean you have to be running at a vigorous, you know, heart racing pace. Running could be the same as jogging, like a, a light jog or a brisk, if, if you're a walker, to walk, walk briskly. You know, it doesn't matter how old you are, if you're male or female, you have two feet, use them. And, you know, it gives you a confidence boost just, just from, from that from the exercise itself it's like i've never known anyone to go for a run or a jog and it doesn't matter if you're running and jogging as well some people feel like they're defeated if they went out they decided to go running but they had to walk a little bit hey you're out there you're actually you're doing something to better yourself and your health so why how on earth could that be a bad thing it's not so a lot of people beat themselves over over small things that that like that that really there's nothing there's nothing bad about that running is also one of the best ways to to get rid of fat. I think I read years ago, it could have changed, you know, it always changes every year, but I read years ago that it said the number one fat burner was skiing. And I found that to be so interesting that skiing was the number one fat burner, but the number two was running. So there's there's also that benefit. And that's actually one of the things that I thought I thought was good. I was like, oh, you know, you have belly fat, running can help help with that. It'll help relieve stress and tension that you might have, you know, there's so many benefits that, you know, a lot of people really have no idea, you know, it can cure even depression from a lot of a lot of people who, you know, it can prevent it, I should say. Well, that's all helpful. And, you know, I just want to kind of talk about I was in my first race uh, last year, I did a 5k with the Louisiana Marathon, which was in the city of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And this event is happens every year and it's sanctioned by the USATF. For those of you that don't that don't know what the USATF is, that's the United States Association of Track and Field. And I did my first ever 5K. And I have to tell you, even though a 5K is a 3.1 mile race, it is a lot of fun. And you get a chance to not only challenge yourself physically, but also mentally as well. You get a chance to be with other people because again, like you said earlier, Justin, you're running in a group. So that's what makes it so much fun because you're getting a, a workout. You 
touched on the benefits of it. You're getting the workout and you're having a lot of fun out there. It's just it's just a great way to have fun and stay fit. Yeah, people definitely make it fun. I had fun running on my own, but I definitely can say running with other people makes it makes it 10 times better because you also don't have to. It's not like I said, you don't have to be running at a fast pace. You can be running if you're if you're going by pace, you could run 10, 11, 12 minute miles. Who cares? You're out there and you're making it happen. And that's that's all that matters. And then what you would probably want to work on if it becomes something that you're truly interested in is your form and making sure that, you know, you're running correctly so that you don't as so as you don't injure yourself, you know, as far as you don't want to like heel striking is not a good is not a good thing. I know a lot of people think that when you're running, your heel should hit the ground first because that's the way it is that you were to, to walk. But actually, it's not. You should be running with the sole of your your foot, almost like kind of like walking on your tiptoes, but not. But you definitely don't want to be heel striking because that can cause to that can cause injury. Good points that you've made right there. Now let's talk about Global Running Day. What is the purpose of Global Running Day? Global Running Day is just a day that I believe it was founded in like 2006, and it it's just a day that celebrates the sport of running. It's really nothing other than that. People of all ages all over the country participate on June 6th. I think even here in New York, at the time, Mayor de Blasio, I believe in 2016, he declared it national, or he he declared it Global Running Day uh, for the city of New York in 2016. But it's just a day that celebrates celebrates the sport of running and when we say again when saying running it doesn't mean that you have to run a certain distance you could run around one time around your block you could walk your dog briskly it's all considered it's all part of running or you could run miles you could run a marathon if you wanted but it's just to celebrate and it's to get people out and moving and that's kind of what that's my intention with my group here that i have in the bronx that's our intention is to get people out and moving. This Wednesday, we're for Global Running Day. I live here in, in the Bronx, New York, and there are all the groups, all the running groups in the Bronx are getting together, and we're going to have a huge event uh, for Global Running Day. It's never been done in any of the boroughs in New York City. Um, the Bronx is the last borough to actually have running groups. We were the, pretty much the first known because there was one before us, which was the Cortona Park Run Club, but I think we're the first ones to be known throughout the boroughs and um, others followed. So there's like four others. Now, Justin, you mentioned about the borough of the Bronx in New York City. We know that the Bronx is rich in culture and in history. It's known for being the birthplace of hip hop. But I got to ask you about a running organization that you're a part of called Bronx Soul. Tell the audience about that. You're right about that with uh, the Bronx is known for being the birthplace of hip hop because it is. Bronx Soul is the group the running group that I started, the running and walking group that I started because a friend of mine who's a teacher here in the Bronx uh, sent me an article that said that the Bronx was the unhealthiest county in New York State. Now, New York State has 62 counties. That means the Bronx was 62nd for seven years in a row. And I just found that statistic to be crazy. And I was telling her, like, I I was like, is no one going to be doing anything to try to combat this? Is no one going to go out to try to help the people of the Bronx? I mean, I live here and I love it and I love the people here. But if we're the unhealthiest, then somebody's got to do something to try to help that, to try to combat it. I talked to my friend Pedro about it and he he told me, he said, I thought you were going to start a running group. 
in the Bronx. And I said, I was, but I was going to start just a running group. I was like, but if these people, if we're the unhealthiest, that means there's people sitting on their couches and they don't exercise at all. So I was only going to cater to runners that were already running. But in order to try to get, it's harder to get people who aren't active, active. But that became my goal. And it still is. And we've been successful with it. So what I decided to do is incorporate some Bronx history because my friend and I we used to he used to take me around on a lot of Bronx tours, uh, walking tours. My friend Pedro, he's actually from the Bronx and he told me no one would be interested in it, but I told him no. I was like, I feel like they would be and if not, it'll just be me and you running. So we just decided to incorporate Bronx history. So now we have three groups. We have a running group, they run between three and five miles and we don't run fast and uh we run at whatever's comfortable for everyone. Of course, we have, there's one of us in the front and one of us in the back so that people can fall in wherever they may. If some people have to walk and they went out with the running group, it's still fine because we wait. We stop at the red lights because some people need the red lights. Like I said, we're not in a hurry, but we do. The running group does two stops, two historical stops. Usually one is, one is um, about the history of the area or a building or any type of land, landmark, something like that. And then the second stop is usually a before and after where we show you a picture of a, a certain area like from 1930 to what it looks like now. And then we take a picture in front of it. Then we have a run-walk group. They do one history stop. And then we have a walking group. And they do about a one- to two-mile walk. And they uh, do one historical stop. But the most people we've ever had come out so far is 48, which is phenomenal. Consistently now, I think we have between 20 and 30 people coming out uh, consistently. And we definitely want to increase that number. But I can honestly say we've been combating uh, obesity and asthma rates, you know, and, and asthma here in the Bronx. And we were actually just featured in Runner's World magazine a month ago. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Explain to the audience about the fellowship that you did with the New York City Department of Parks and Recreation. We applied to be a part of a fellowship uh, with Partnerships for Parks, which is under the Parks Department here in New York City. Um, what it what it is is it's a it was a fellowship and we had to attend one class a month for six months and they teach you how to get your organization together and how to you know how to grant write how to speak to a public figure how to do elevator pitches anything you would need to they try to to give you the tools to help your organization thrive is what its purpose was. And we graduated last year in it. And um, actually through that partnership, um, last year we got $550 grant. And this year we got $900 grant from applying for that, the actual grant, the capacity fund grant that they offer. It's a great organization here in New York City. Congratulations to all your success about spreading the importance of running, not just in the Bronx, but also on a worldwide level to be featured in Runner's World magazine. That's definitely not small potatoes. That's definitely a big accomplishment. So quickly, where can they find you on social media? Where can they find Bronx Soul on social media? And also give us any social media platforms or a website for Global Running Day. Okay. Well, you can find me personally on Instagram at J M as in Mary A S H I A seventeen. That's just my personal Instagram page. Uh, Bronx Soul is at Bronx B R O N X Soul S O L E, and we're also on, on Facebook under Bronx Soul. 
and we're on Twitter. Global Running Day has a website. It's just globalrunningday.org. But you should I encourage anyone to go on our Facebook page and hit that like button because we've got o- we've got over 500 likes and we're trying to reach 1000. So we'd appreciate it. Appreciate the love. Well, let me be the first to say, my brother, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on The Robinson Show. And much peace, blessings, and success to you. And that's Justin Mache, an avid runner, also member of Bronx Soul, and also spreading the word about the importance of running. Justin, thank you so much for being on The Robinson Show. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Stay tuned. We'll have more of The Robinson Show right after this. June 26th, pick up your copy of Flying High to Victory, a recap of the 2017 Philadelphia Eagles season on audiobook. If you were captivated by the ebook, then you will be mesmerized by the audiobook. Pick up your copy of Flying High to Victory, available on audiobook June 26th. Welcome back to The Robinson Show, everybody. My next guest is an NBA draft prospect. He's a recent graduate of Grand Canyon University. His highlight reel is off the charts, and he's certainly someone that a lot of NBA teams should be paying attention to. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome my guest, Mr. Keontae Vernon. Hey, Keontae, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Ed. Appreciate you having me. Oh, likewise. Thank you for coming, taking time out of your busy schedule to be on the show. Now, I watched your highlight reel I kind of see a cross between Kevin Durant and a Giannis. Tell the, our listening audience out there what is your what are your stats? What's your weight and your height and your vertical leap? Six six two forty. Um, last time I did my my max vert, it was uh, thirty nine and a half. Standing vert was thirty six. So yeah, I pretty much got worked hard. You know what I mean? I worked hard to get my my vertical where it is. So I'm I'm continue to work on that and other aspects of my game. Well, certainly you're there, my brother. You know, I, again, I, I looked at your highlight reel, and it's just fantastic because you have a nice jump shot, but you certainly play above the rim. Growing up, did you look up to anybody that played that similar style, like maybe a Michael Jordan or someone like a Charles Barkley or maybe Vince Carter, someone that's similar to your playing style? Um, I would say the most person I, I kind of would say I looked at was Charles Barkley. Um, obviously, him being the undersized the position that he was playing, he uh, did a lot of damage and stuff. So it was it was definitely somebody I looked at and, and, and kind of wanted to model my game after. And as, as as I grew up, I started looking at the Blake Griffins and the Draymond Green and the Jay Tuckers and stuff like that. So um, that was just somebody that the first person I actually seen was like I said was Charles Barkley, and I love I fell in love with his game. So my next question would be. So now that you've you earned your degree from Grand Canyon University, tell the listening audience out there, what did you earn your degree in? I actually just earned my degree in um, sociology. So hopefully when I'm done with my career, I can go back to my home hometown or even stay here in Arizona, come back to Arizona and um, help more kids like myself uh, who grew up unfortunate and didn't have much. I want to be able to, to, to take care of something like that, take care of kids who, who didn't grow up, grow up with much and give them hope to continue to push forward and know that no matter what you do, 
the sky's the limit. You can go as far as you want to go. Absolutely. I love the message of that. And I want to stay with uh, where you grew up. Now, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I was reading your bio. Did you grow up in the town of, uh, correct me if I'm pronouncing this right, Tulare, California? Tulare. Tulare, yeah. Tulare, excuse my pronunciation. Okay, you grew up in Tulare, California. Now, I was reading the distances, the closest big city, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, it's closer to Bakersfield, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, it's it's 45 minutes south of Fresno and an hour north of Bakersfield. So I'm kind of somewhat in the middle of, of those two. Those would be the next two biggest cities, I guess you could say. Knowing about the state of California, and I know Fresno is a, a agricultural hub, and Bakersfield is an oil town. Tell me what was it like growing up kind of like in the midst of, in between those two cities, because it's not the Bay Area, it's not the glitz of San Francisco or the grime of Oakland, and it's not flashy like L.A. or San Diego. So for someone that doesn't know a lot about Tulare, explain it to our listening audience. It's a, it's a real small town. Um, everybody knows everybody. Um, we had we, I grew up with two high schools there, but recently, I, I, um, I think my sophomore year, we got a third high school. So it's a very small town. Like I said, everybody knows everybody. Um, you're in the middle, so you get kind of, you get kind of the southern and you get the the northern kind of thing. So you get SoCal and you get North Cal. You get both. You get everything. Um, but it's it's a it's a great town. It's really don't get me wrong. There's nothing to do, but if you go down there, you just you you'll fall in love with the people. You fall in love with the town. Um, it's small, so it's not a lot to do. So you, like I said, you get to know everybody, so you're comfortable, and everybody knows you. So it's just a, it's just a lot, a lot of fun to be back where I, where I am. But don't get me wrong, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to go back. <laughs> I love Arizona. Yeah, I love Arizona. Speaking of, you transitioned on to the the next topic, Arizona. So. You played your college ball at Grand Canyon University, but I was reading your bio that you played at some other colleges, but you didn't stay there very long. Tell us a little bit about your uh, transformation to getting to Grand Canyon. I started off, I graduated um, high school, went to, um, at high school, I went to the University of Wyoming in Laramie, Wyoming, which that was a complete culture change, and it just was way outside of my norm, so I believe that's why that was the main reason why I was just so far from home as being a freshman and not not um, not you know what I mean not not knowing nothing because I was so far from everybody and my family doesn't have a lot of a lot of money to come out and see me and stuff so it was hard so I registered there and then went to a junior college called College of Southern Idaho in Twin Falls Idaho and um that was that was if if, if people could have seen that team in in the atmosphere. There, it's, it's crazy because we went 30-3 to won the whole thing. If we had, I got hurt at the end of the year, and two other players got hurt. So it kind of just didn't, you know what I mean, stuff happened at the wrong time. Um, and then after that, I, I graduated with my AA, and then I, I came to Grand Canyon. Um, Coach T.J. Benson was on me since day one. He was uh, continuously always, always on me to, and, and preaching – GCU, GCU, and it's funny because my mom always wanted me to go to a, a Christian university, and I've always ducked and dodged it, went left and right trying to get around it, but as we all know, God has his plans, and lo and behold, he led me back right here where I should have been in the beginning. Yeah, you're right about that. You know, the Lord always makes a way in more ways than one. Speaking of always making a way, he definitely made a way for you in your time at Grand Canyon. And certainly he guides you through this uh, next stage in your career, which is 
a possible NBA career. You're an NBA draft prospect. Have you heard from any teams as of yet? Only team that I, I, my agent has talked to that I know of, and they're thinking about bringing me in for a workout is the is the Bucks. Um, other than that, he talked to the Bulls and who else was it? The Suns. But nobody's really other than the Bucks willing to bring me in, which I understand that I'm coming from a small school, um, and my numbers aren't crazy good. So I'm I'm I understand that, but I know I know exactly what I bring to a team, and I know my worth. So all I need is all I need is an opportunity. If I can get one workout, and teams don't believe that I, I'm good enough, then hey, so be it. I'll, I'll I'll go the easy the other way and go overseas and and work my way to where I want to be, which is the NBA. I gotta ask you: Do you have any preferences of where you might want to play? Say a uh, a team called Golden State or maybe Sacramento, or does it really matter? It, it honestly does not matter to me. I just want an opportunity, like I said. Um, it's all it's all part of God's plan. So that's all that's all I can focus on. Um, any team that that wants me or or is thinking about it, all I know is they'll they'll get a, a great team player, a team orientated guy, family orientated guy, and someone who just wants to win. So um, hopefully somebody will take that chance on me, whether it's them bringing me in for a workout or summer league or whatever. I just you know what I mean. I just I just need an opportunity, want an opportunity, and they'll see what they get from there. We got to go. I know you had a recent tragedy. And again, you, your brother had recently passed away. And again, my condolences to you and your family. But can you tell the listening audience out there clearly what, what happened, situation happened with your brother? Yeah, um, it was March 12th he passed away. Um, and we had a game, I think, March 14th, I think. So as soon as it happened, my mom called me. Um, or either my mom or my sister called me and said that my brother had been shot and so I'm just in my head I'm I'm not thinking oh he's he's gone but obviously I'm getting I'm getting I'm leaving I'm going to the I'm I'm getting the flight out I'm talking to my coaches getting the flight out which they did a great job of helping me get over there um as soon as possible so they rushed him to the hospital and stuff and they they couldn't save him but he had a um altercation with a police officer and there's a video out there which we I'm trying this is Part of the reason why I'm continuing to do interviews and trying to talk to people and get his story out there because I believe that he, the story should be heard. He had an altercation with the cops and everybody, like I said before earlier, my town is a very small town. Everybody knows everybody. My grandmother was the grandmother of Tulare. So everybody knows my family, especially. Um, so they knew my brother had a mental illness and he had schizophrenia. So when when it when the cop ran up behind him, his first thought was to run. So he started running. But my brother is a, is a football star. Like anybody who knows him, he was the star football player, running back. He had tons of offers until schizophrenia kicked in, and they just got worse. So like if he wanted to run and get away, he would have got away, hands down. Um, so he was running like not knowing what was going on. And then if you watch the video, the, the police first police officer that runs up to him. He actually swings on my brother first, for whatever reason I don't know. And then, so of course my brother has no choice. It's self-defense because you you swinging on my brother for no reason at that point, because there was no reason why he should have even been chasing after my brother. So my brother swung back, um, and then the cop tried to tase him. He missed, so he dropped the taser. Um, and then another cop ran up as as my brother was fighting the first cop. He tried to pepper spray my brother. And the pepper spray blew back in the cop's face. It didn't even get my brother. Um, 
So every and everybody's saying that that he's on drugs, he's on this, he's on that because the taser didn't phase him or the pepper spray, but either one of them made contact with him. And then uh, once the cop got the pepper spray uh, spray back in his to, into his face, that's when he took matters into his own hand by pulling out his gun. And my idea, in my eyes, out of anger because he got he got pepper spray. You know what I mean? So that's when he proceeded to shoot my brother six to eight times. And if you watch the video, it's it's, it's to stop, not shoot to kill. Because if you shoot more than three times, you're shooting to kill somebody. And that's just that's just my personal opinion. Regardless if it's if it's race or or gender or whatever, it, that's just the way it is. If you shoot more than three times, you're shooting to kill. That becomes that's been a problem for far too long because with the way the police have have treated not just minorities but the way police have treated people in general, it just goes to show you that we've exactly. we, it has to be better reform when it comes to police having a better handling of incidents like this because as they say this is the same song and dance that we've gone through before with mm-hmm. Alton Sterling and also the same thing with similar instances with Eric Garner and Tamir Rice and things of that nature. So no matter where it is, exactly. it's, 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 just, it's time and time again, and we're not getting any better. Real quickly, Keontae, do you have a website or do you have any social media platforms that people can find you on? Yes, my, I only really use Twitter and, other, Twitter and Facebook, which my Twitter is the real Keontae, which is K-E-O-N-T-A-V. Um, that's, my, that's my Twitter. Um, and then my Facebook is just my name, Keontae Vernon. Um, I don't have Instagram. And then um, I believe a lot of people, if, if they want to help get the story out, should reach out to my mom and my and my sister because my mom is the one obviously pushing it the most and doing marches and stuff. Her name is Anika, A-N-Y-K-A, Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S. Um, so those those two would be the, the most, you know what I mean, my, my Twitter and then my mom on Facebook, and she also has a, has a Twitter. Well, Keontae, I just want to say, man, again, my condolences to you and your family. And I hope that you can really get to the bottom of this in terms with what happened to your brother. And it'll bring some closure to that. And also, congratulations again on graduating from college and also best of luck to you on a future career in the NBA. And much success to you, my friend. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, like I said, if, if anybody need, if anybody wants to reach out or, or tweet anything out, you use the hashtag Justice for Jontel, which is J-O-N-T-E-L-L. Um, and just, you know what I mean, help help in any way you can, a tweet, a retweet, anything helps to get his story out there. All right, well, you heard it from NBA draft prospect Keontae Vernon, spreading the word about justice, not only for his brother, but also promoting himself, and he's working hard out there. Hopefully a team will sign him, or if he gets overseas, that could be a stepping stone for him to get into the NBA. Keontae, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on The Robinson Show. Thank you so much for having me. God bless you. I hope you have a wonderful day. All right, you too, my friend. Coming up, we'll have more of The Robinson Show. You stay tuned. If you thought the ebook was outstanding... You haven't witnessed anything yet. Coming June 26th, Flying High to Victory, a recap of the 2017 Philadelphia Eagles season, now will be available on audiobook. If you love the ebook experience, then you're going to love the audiobook. Available June 26th.
Welcome back to The Robinson Show, everybody. Let's get you caught up on some upcoming games that are going to be taking place. Let's start off with the 2018 NBA Finals. The series switches to Cleveland as the Warriors and the Cavaliers will lock up on Wednesday night in Game 3. You can watch that game at 8 p.m. on ABC. Golden State leads the series two games to nothing. Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Finals will head back out west in Vegas as the Capitals and the Golden Knights do battle. You can watch that game at 7 p.m. on NBC on Thursday night. Washington leads the series three games to one. Tonight's Major League Baseball schedule has the Tampa Bay Rays battling the Washington Nationals. The Dodgers head out to the East Coast to play the Pirates. Also, the New York Yankees will head up to Canada to play Toronto. The Rockies will battle the Reds. We have a great showdown in the Midwest between the Brewers and the Indians. The Orioles will battle the Mets. The Tigers battle the Red Sox. The Chicago White Sox will play Minnesota. Oakland battles the Texas Rangers. Philadelphia will play the Cubs. The Mariners will take on the Astros. The Marlins will play the Cardinals. The Royals will play the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. The Atlanta Braves will play the San Diego Padres. And Arizona will play San Francisco. Well, folks, football season is right around the corner. And if you want to find out my top 10 predictions of who I think will do well in this year's NFL regular season, as well as the prediction of the Super Bowl champion, pick up my copy of the 2018 Top 10 Super Picks. It's available on ebook on lulu.com. That's L-U-L-U.com. And links will be posted on the Sports Talk with Friends Facebook page, as well as my Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. And also, don't forget, June 26th, Flying High to Victory, available on audiobook format. If you love the ebook, then you're going to love the audiobook. It's filled with great audio and great information that you and the family will enjoy. That's going to do it for this week on The Robinson Show. I'm your host, Ed Robinson. And remember, until next time, put God first in everything you do, and you can't go wrong. Until next time, stick to the script. I'm out. Peace. For the latest news and information in the world of sports, visit www.therobinsonreport.net. That's www.therobinsonreport.net. www.therobinsonreport.net. June 26th. Pick up your copy of Flying High to Victory, a recap of the 2017 Philadelphia Eagles season on audiobook. If you were captivated by the ebook, then you will be mesmerized by the audiobook. Pick up your copy of Flying High to Victory, available on audiobook June 26th.